Um, tonight I'm excited. I am delighted because I, I love God's word and hidden, there's hidden gems in his word uh, that he wants to bring a message to us because I want tonight for us not just to, like James says, not to just merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves, but to do what it says. I want us tonight, maybe if there's 30 or 40 of us here tonight, if one of us or two of us would catch fire tonight, if, if, if just a couple of us will rise up, will take a stand, will capture the moment, will run the race, will we'll begin to see revival change their lives, a new day dawns for us today. Who will it be? Who can be? Who, it can be any one of us tonight. I was thinking of, I went to a portion of scripture in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses starting at verse 8. It says, These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb, Bashabah, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be real good with the word, uh, their names, but just hang in there with me. The Hattachamite. <laughs> he was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Hohite. And he was one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David, when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to, Eli- to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where, there was, where, it was full, where the field was full of lentils, Israel, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field, and he defended and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. These were a combination of combat commandos, stealth rangers, navy seals, green berets, special ops, delta forces who had acquired the skills of battle demanded to to survive and conquer in hand-to-hand combat. They engaged in clandestine operations and were outnumbered by staggering odds pitted against them. Yet they stood their ground. Time after time on fields of battle, they were the last men standing. Many times we think that these men looked like this. They, looked, they had to look like mighty, fearsome warriors with muscles bulging out everywhere. But I want you to understand tonight that these men who we're talking about were ordinary men. They were weak men. You look at David and Goliath. Remember what, what Samuel was told by God about, about David. He says, don't look on the outer appearance Because I have chosen him because it's what's in his heart. I want you to understand tonight, you may not look like that. You may look like this. It may, at times, we may feel weak and feeble. But see, it was these weak instruments that God uses to bring about his own purposes. See, the son of David, just like David, is ready to receive distressed souls who will be commanded by him. He receives all who will come unto him, however vile and miserable they are. He changes them into a holy people, employs them into his service. Those who would reign with him must be contented first to suffer with him and through him. Who were these men? Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2. It says, all of those who were in distress or in debt 
or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Now, I thought to myself, as I was looking up these words, I saw this first word, it got caught my attention. It was the word distress. And it comes from a Hebrew word, you can see there, tesach. And it means a narrow place, confinement or disability, anguish, distress, and straightness. This narrow place. See, I want you to understand tonight, had Saul's government been upright and just, David would have had no followers. See, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking to myself, Lord, if, if all the churches in town were preaching the gospel the way that they're supposed to, I would have nobody with me. But see, he rose above the level of a soldier. He had, they had developed an, an arbitrariness which military command fosters in self-willed men. See, it seems like they were unaware of everything that was going on around them. They, they would have been be almost as, as if Saul's government had forced these men into this narrow place where they would, where they would find this man David. See, David had fallen out of favor with the establishment. He had chose not the path of least resistance, but the path that the Lord had put him on. He, see, today, who will we choose? Who will we follow? See, God's looking right now. You want to be a giant killer? Hang around giant killers. See, this, was what, this is how David operated. Think about it in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Saul says, you want my daughter? Then you go out and get me a hundred foreskins. Now, I want you to know that when he said that, he, he was almost in his mind, he was already thinking, this will destroy David. This will be his demise. Hand-to-hand combat to be able to do that. The Bible says that David took his mighty men and he didn't bring back a hundred. He brought back two hundred and he counted them out for him. See, this is how David would operate. David would operate in this place where he could, he could slice off the head of, of Goliath. And then, just a short time later, he cuts the, the hem of, of Saul's robe and he cries over it. He weeps over it. See, there's, there was something different about David. That caused these men to be attracted to the spirit of God that was within him. God is looking for warriors today who can cut off and slay giants. And yet walk in the full fruits of the spirit with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. See, I've told you this before. Remember, Pastor Mike said this. He says, he says, I want you inside to be like a rabid dog when it comes to fighting the enemy. Yet on the outside, there's just this peace, love, and joy that just fills you. I asked the man one day, he was going to a church in town, and he said, he said, well, he, we were talking about going to battle, and he says, well, I don't know if, 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 if we, we're even doing that. I said, well, 
the Bible's pretty clear that we're supposed to be, we're in a battle. Everything that goes on around us. I was thinking about even this week that Paul was talking about when he said, I have fought the good fight. I preached a message a couple weeks ago on the, a cruise ship and the battleship. And most of our churches look like cruise ships. Now, I want you to think about that in line with what Paul just said. I have fought the good fight. He didn't say, I, I cruised the good cruise. No, he understood that this life was going to be a battle. What did David display in the midst of everything that was going on in David's life where Saul is trying to destroy him? What did David display? He did not display any bitterness, no offense, no unforgiveness for the man who hunted him when he had to hide in caves. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 22 that he had to take his family and he actually had to put them among the Moabites, the the enemy, to keep them safe. He displayed a constant pursuit of God, but yet constantly dying to the man inside by living this contrite and humbleness that God called him to. And I want you to know, you, I say to you today, you say, well, how do you know that he did all these things? Let me, let me explain it like this. How do I know there was no offense, there was no bitterness, there was no unforgiveness, even for this man that had done this? Because when, he, when, when they were, Saul and Jonathan were gone, David still went and looked for a descendant that he could show favor on, Mephibosheth. Who can I find to show favor and, and, and for what God has done for me? Mephibosheth got to eat at the king's table. How many times in our life when somebody has wronged us or done something to us like that, do we go and seek out their descendant to show kindness and goodness on doesn't sound like us. It was this man and his adversity that molded and shaped the character of David. Jesus needed Judas to get him to the cross. Your boss, your family members, your, your, your husband, your wife, your friends, your church member, they catapult you into your destiny. If there is a discontentness, in what's going on around you. If there is a discontentness in the fact that you, you're not living where God wants you to be. Then that discontentness is propelling us into the place where God wants us to be. He doesn't want us. That, not, that, that lack of satisfaction you feel in your, your spirit. Is God saying listen. Use that. Let that. I was speaking to someone just this week. And he told me, he goes, and I know some of you guys are doing this. I, I, and I'm going to tell you right now, I am proud of some. You, some of you guys have forsaken the world. You're doing it right now. Some of you have fasted. Some of you have said, you know what? I'm getting rid of, of secular music in my life. This per, ind, individual was telling me, he said, you know what, Greg? I, I, I was blessed by God to, to do all the, to, he gave me this beautiful job. And in the midst of that, I went back and I found all my oldies music. And, and, and a lot of that old music doesn't have anything raunchy like we see today in the music. But he said, so he said, I was just going to listen to that. And I know God had already told me, no, you need to cut all that out of your life. He continued to do it. Continued a little longer. 
Then one day he said, I was getting ready to pick up the CD and I was getting ready to put it in my, my, my radio. And my radio caught fire and blew up right then. And I said, okay, God, I got the message. I don't need any more. <laughs> see, I want you to understand. See, what did, it, what did these men look? You say, well, Greg, that's all Old Testament. What did these men look like in the New Testament? I'm going to give you an example. In Acts chapter 15, verse 25 and 26, it says there, so we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Berean Bible says that this, men having handed over their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time you chose a pastor? When was the last time you chose leadership based upon that criteria? Mm. See, a lot of times we, we see, we, we, in, we, we've put all these standards down because we say, well, we can't find anybody. Well, this is what the word of God says. This is what these men look like in the, in the New Testament. This is what the new church looked like. People who, who were going to serve God were people that would sacrifice everything. Having handed over their lives, risked it all for Christ. This morning, I would like us to look at three men in the, in the book of 2 Samuel, it's also, it's also written in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. So the Lord, it must, he must have thought this was important enough that he put it down twice. So in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8, it says, These are the names of David's mighty warriors, Josheb, Bashabeth, the Tachamite. He was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Now, this morning... Or this evening, I'm in the morning time still. Men who will fight to dispose of the enemies of God in spiritual warfare. These are the men of God that he's calling right now. Men who will sacrifice by going to battle with the enemy. Spiritual warfare. I know a lot of men who like to study the Bible. They like to do Bible studies, but I know very few men who will get into the trench of battle in prayer. I know few pastors that will join in there also. They don't like, it's, it's, you know what, I'm going to tell you what, it's a lot easier to intellectualize the Bible than it is to get into the secret place and plant yourself in the trenches where God wants to do a work. Hmm. Well, Greg, I don't know if that's even biblical. Let's see, Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. See, who are you battling for today? You are battling for your family. You are battling for those around you. You are battling for your church. You're battling for your community. You're asking God to send revival to the wake in the hearts of those who are around you. You're asking God to remove anything in you that is not of him. You're asking God to sift you to begin to refine and reform the character that's within you. See, men and women who take up arms against the enemy will openly... Allow God to extract what needs to be removed. See, Scott, last week in his message, he said this, that the Lord was doing a work in him. He was getting closer. He wanted to get closer and closer to God. And as he did, the Lord began to show him things in his life. And then when God began to pull it out, he realized that it was going to come out with the roots and all. And there was going to be 
a little blood. See, a lot of times we don't want to go to that point. We don't want to go to the place where it's going to hurt. If there's pain involved, we better step back a little bit. But see, the Bible is full of men and women who separated themselves unto God. I want to link up with those kind of people. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 9, it says, Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ohoahite. He was one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Postamim for battle. The Israelites retreated. Everybody left them. But Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. God wants us to be welded to his word. The sword of the spirit. This is not a casual attitude towards the word of God. It's real. It's living. It doesn't just, we don't just read these nice stories. They are not fables. We believe it. See, if it doesn't make sense, that how much more? What if God wanted to make it so unbelievable that anyone coming to him would definitely have to have faith to believe the things that are in the word of God? James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. We must devour the word of God. We must be welded to the word of God. Jesus said that he and the word are one. He's not just taking his word to use it in a fight against one another. The only time the word of God is to be used is to fight the enemy. God never, you look through the Bible, Jesus never used the word of God against any individual who was coming to him. Think about it. The adulteress. He never used the word of God against that person. Those that were demonized. He never used the word of God against them. The tax collectors. He never used the word of God against them. He only used the word of God when he was battling the devil. Hmm. Think about that for just a second. That's how we're supposed to use the word of God. This isn't a nice book of stories. It is real. It is alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This man stood his ground. He froze himself to the word of God. He stood his ground and he welded himself. Today, God's calling us to weld ourselves to Jesus. Now, let me say this. We don't worship the word. It is 100% his word and it is 100% his spirit. It is not one or the other. We, there have been those today that have separated it and they say, well, if it's got to be just the word. That's the only way God talks to us. I'm going to tell you right now, then you better, you better look back at the, the New Testament. See, Bill Johnson said it like this. We value the book that the early church didn't have more than the Holy Spirit that they did have. Well, you can say, well, I can be deceived, Greg. Yeah, you know what? No, you can't. If you keep yourself in alignment with the Spirit of God, if you keep yourself in, uh, under authority of those around you, godly men and women, and then you use the confirmation process that, that God talked about, you, when you share those things with one another, someone might say to you, hey, you know what? That doesn't sound quite right. Let's let that sit on the shelf a little longer, and let's see what God has to say about that down the road. Just because God speaks to you does not mean that you go and grab a hold of that and run amok with it. It's a call to arms, welding to his word and being directed by his Holy Spirit. It is the spirit of God that makes his word living. Do you want a roadmap or do you want a tour guide? 
I want, see, when the Holy Spirit reveals the word and makes it alive, there's something powerful about it. And I'm going to tell you right there, that is what we miss in our churches today. See, we have the word, we can speak the word, we do all these things with the word, but until the word of God is alive by the, made alive by the Holy Spirit, it, is, it really is, has no effect. But when the Spirit of God comes upon that word, it becomes alive, it becomes living, it judges everything within us, and it says, okay, here's what you need. It's live and active, Hebrews says. Let's look at the next guy, 2 Samuel chapter 23. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where, there was, where the field was full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and he struck down Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. I want you to understand this evening that we aren't just battling for ourselves anymore. See, We aren't just battling for ourselves. You say, well, this guy was willing to risk his life for peas. Peas or lentils were the sustenance of the poor. It was these lentils and hard-boiled eggs that they would eat at funerals. See, when we get our eyes off of, when we get our eyes off of us and we begin to battle for the sustenance of others, that's when we really get a hold of who God is. The very word Shama, there is a, there is a, 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 a name for, G, for God that we use. It's Jehovah Shama, one of his names, and it means the Lord is present. I want you to know this, this evening, you are not alone in the pea garden. David exemplifies the heart of God, battling on one hand, yet soft and brokenhearted on the other. It always works like this with God. He says, I want you to be content, yet ever reaching, having obtained, but yet never satisfied. See, that's, that's the way Jesus laid it out to us. He said it in Jude like this, Jude 1, 3, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write you and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. That word contend, it means to struggle upon appropriately. It means with skill and commitment in an opposing whatever is not of faith. It is godly persuasion. So say, Greg, well, what does all this look like? How does it, what does this look for, for us today? This, I'm going to tell you this morning what it is not. It is not making a political stand. It is not p- picketing. It is not discussing intelligently. We hear this all the time in the political arena. We need to just sit down and have a dialogue. No, we don't. What we need is the one who is and is to come. We need the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. We need the first, the last, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. He is all we need. If we can sit down and discuss it till we're blue, but what we need is Jesus. Whatever the world's agenda is, today, if it's gay marriage or whatever the dilemma is, I want you to understand. I said this on Sunday, and I'm going to use this story again. I was thinking about this. A guy, to me, a guy came to me one day, and he says he wanted to talk about, well, what if, what, if a, what if a gay person came into the church and this and gave me this scenario? 
And all the while, there's things in our own lives. This particular person, I know at that time, had a marijuana cigarette in his pocket. But he wants to discuss gay marriage. See, it's, it's like us saying, I'm going to go, I want to go do all this stuff against abortion, and yet I have all this, this filth on me. This is what God said, listen, work on this. I'm, I'll take care of the world. You were never called to judge the world. It's not a political thing. It's, 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 let me tell you about it. It's, it's, it's not about a cause. It's about a collision with Christ. Everything changes. My flesh, my nature. He wants me to die so I can truly live. My outlook changes. My agenda changes. It's no longer about me. I'm fighting for those behind me, beside me. I fight against, I, I'm, not, I'm not longer storing up treasures here on earth, but in heaven. If you look at this scripture, he defended, Shama defended this field. This word defended is a fascinating word. It means to deliver, rescue, recover, yet it also means to strip oneself. Completely surrendering of oneself to the cause of defending others or the field that God, the sustenance of others. See, we are the defenders in the spirit of what belongs to God. Planting that flag in the ground. This is as far as the enemy will go. This is about what is done in secret. You and his word. You and Jesus. You in the secret place. Even today, some would say, well, Greg, all I need is a cause. And I'll, I'll do a good job with it. Tell me to feed the poor. Tell me to do this. And I'll go and do those things. If it's not done through Christ, it's just another worldly thing that we've, we've stored up. I want to do things that last for eternity. See, in connection with our prayers and spiritual warfare, Sam, for 2 Samuel twenty two thirty five 35 says, He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend in a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs and fight. And I destroyed my foes. Man, why, why would God even give us all this if he didn't want us to be in the spiritual battle? I want you to understand tonight, David, if, if, let me give you to the, the example like this. If I told you guys tonight, I knew Colin Powell, the, the, the former general of the United States, would that make me a warrior if I knew him? See, just because they knew David did not make them warriors. But they began to believe in the God who David believed in. They began to understand who this God was that had, had shaped David's life. And they bought into who God was through David. That's what God's looking for in you and I today. He said, listen, I want you to be so real, so genuine that when people look at you, they want the God that's in you. When was the last time someone did that? I want what you have. 
When was the last time somebody came up to you and said, oh, excuse me, I mistake you for Jesus? Because you look so much, you act so much, you display him in everything you do. They didn't need a purpose-driven life, they lived it. They didn't need their best life now because they had already forsaken it. They knew who they had linked up with. They had experienced the relationship of the same God that David knew. You can't do these things just because your dad, your mom, or your friend, or your husband or wife knows it. You have to know it. You have to know who God is. Since it's Veterans Day tomorrow, I'm thinking about, in my mind, how there's some denominations now that have actually become so pacifist that they don't even honor warriors coming back and, and the people who have who've sacrificed for us. And what I want to tell you today is that you may not believe in the war. You may not like the war. You may not even like what we're doing. But the guys who have been in the trenches, the guys that have, have grunted it out. See, it's the same thing in spiritual warfare. Those who have, are grunting it out, those who will get in the trenches. And I was talking to Pastor Mark just a couple weeks ago. He says, the Lord spoke to me. And he says, Mark, you're going to have to get a little bit more dirty. It's gonna get, you're going to get a little bit more bloody if you want to see the, the, the hand of God move like you're asking for. It's going to take, take a little bit more. It's going to take a little more effort. And I think you guys, I'm, I'm a, I talked to somebody today about this, and I'm just going to say this because it's, I've heard somebody say this before. And they said, well, you know what, Greg? You and Mark and Billy and, and Scott, and by the way, anybody who wasn't here last week, Scott, I, we have pastorized him. He is a pastor now. Here at Ignite. I want you guys all to know that. I want you to recognize that. Um, somebody already called him Pastor Scott this week. And I, that's, that's fine. That's good. Um, some, some have said, you know what? Hey, what, what is this? What's this elite squad that you take up on the mountain and pray with? I want you guys to understand something. I'm, I want to link up with... Guys that I know will get in the trenches with me. Now, Billy had told me this story about a church in Modesto where the pastor grabbed up all of his people. That he, he, they were all going to get gung-ho about spiritual warfare. So he put them in a bus and they, they began to drive through town and they began to do prayer walking through town and, and, and prayed in the bus and, and they started praying for everybody. However, what the pastor did not realize is that some of these people were walking in open sin. Now, what do you mean by that? What I mean is deliberate sin. I can make it more clear if you need me to. But what I'm saying is, I'm saying not something that just comes along accidental. I'm talking about something, it, it, I use this example today. I said, it's like if, if a woman walks by and you, you take a glance and then you, you, you shift your eyes away, okay, I'm going to keep my, it's, it's the guy that says, oh no, I'm going to take a look at that. Okay, that's what I'm talking about, open sin. It may be pride, it may be envy, it may be unforgiveness, whatever it may be. But anyway, there were a lot of people in that, that were going out into spiritual battle and had open sin in their life. That church 
began to be rocked and destroyed. I heard of another church in Chicago, I believe it was, where actually the women in the church, all that got pregnant, babies were aborted. So I don't just gather all you guys up and take you down on Tule River Drive and we, do, we prayer walk yet. However, I want one day, yes, I want us all to be doing that. But I also do not want to subject you to the pain, suffering, the problems that go along with venturing into that territory. I will tell you right now, this guy and this guy, I know what, what, when we go to spiritual battle, I know what happens the rest of the week, how the enemy just works us over. And uh, I'll tell you what, and I don't want to put that on anybody who's not ready to be jumped, jumping into that yet. Okay? Now, with that said, it's not that we're any better or anything like that. I just know where these guys stand because I I'm hold them accountable. We hold each other accountable. Hey, is there sin in your life? Hey, is there something we need to talk about? We just did that the other day. We sat in here and I said, hey, what, what do we need to talk about, guys? Let's talk about it right here. Is there anything going on? We prayed for one another. That's what I'm talking about. That's, the, that's getting you ready to get into spiritual battle. Now, I, I didn't tell this to Pleasant Valley because I feel like you guys are ready for this. But I want you to understand I want that, that as we venture into this new territory, you taking up arms against the enemy has a cost involved. And some will go, you know what? It's a lot easier to get back on the cruise ship. And I understand that. But I'm going to tell you right now, the old timers, the Puritans, the, the old timers, they understood it one way, that if you're not going forward, you're backsliding. Now, that's not a word we want to hear about today because we think, oh, you're, everybody's saved and you're all going to heaven and everything's good. Oh, I'm going to tell you what, I don't think it works that way if you look at the whole word of God. But I'm going to contend for you. I am going to battle for you. That's why these ladies get together weekly to pray, to, to contend for you. We want to contend for the men. God's raising up men right here in this place. Just so you know, when Scott comes back, he's going to start a men's group one night a month. It's going to be an accountability group. I, I, I'm looking across here. I see some men that I already have identified for that group. They don't even know it yet, but they're going to be picked. But, yeah, that's you, Nathan. <laughs> but um, God's getting ready to do a work. And we, I'm, I, want us, I want us to be like these men that stood next to, next to David and battled to the very end for a field of peace. For the sustenance of those who are poor, for the sustenance of those who are, are next to you. We're going to close with this. Mind eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He had loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have builded him an altar. 
Hunter in the evening dues and dance. I have read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching in there because I wanted you to know this battle that we're in, this spiritual battle that we're in, it's going to take some time. It's, it's a lot of work. It's, it's going to get bloody. It's going to be in the trenches. You're going to get dirty. But God's calling. He's raising up mighty warriors to link up. I'll tell you right now, I know these guys right here. I know this guy. I know this guy. I know where their heart's at. I know the trenches they're in. I will, I'm battling with them. We're contending for you. And I see some of you guys beginning to rise up. Like I said at the beginning, I am delighted tonight because you know what? Maybe one, maybe two will catch fire tonight. This isn't one of those messages where I, I say, come to the altar. This is one of those messages. I don't want it to be an emotional plea. I want it to be something that gets birthed in you. And you go, that's where I want to abide. That's where I want to stay. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. God, we, first of all, we thank you for the men and women who have laid down their lives for us. God, for the freedom that we, we have to be in this room tonight to worship you, God, in spirit and in truth. God, we thank you for that. And God, I pray tonight 
that along with that, Lord, that we, as we see that in the physical, Lord, that we would grab a hold of that in the spiritual realm. God, we would understand that as we praise, God, we fill the atmosphere with your, with the hosts of heaven, Lord, as they gather around, God, they displace the enemy, Lord, tonight, God, as we gather together, Lord, we want to push back darkness. God, we want to move back the enemy. We want him to have no place in our lives. God, I pray that you birth this within us. God, let mighty men and women be raised up in this house tonight. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, guys.